guys. I'm Monica Crowley, and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here on this Thursday as we begin to close out yet another week. This is your go-to for Hot Liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. Check me out on social media. On Instagram, I'm at Monica Crowley underscore. And on Twitter and True Social, I'm at Monica Crowley. And by email, I can be reached at Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. So drop me a note and let me know what's on your mind. I love hearing from you guys. All right, next week, the week before Christmas, we're going to have some fun next week. And yes, we will be here. We will be here throughout the holidays, okay? Next week, though, because it is a holiday week, we're going to have some fun. We've got a big pop star joining us next week. An absolute pop icon is going to be here. We're also going to focus on some holiday cheer. So like I said, we're going to be here next week and Christmas week because we never sleep. I I literally have problems sleeping. (laughs) So I mean, not quite literally, we never sleep. And because the news never sleeps. So no vacation for us. We're going to be right here with you with some big conversations all throughout the holidays. So get cozy with the Monica Crowley podcast over the holidays. Also, a little note, you're going to have double the Monica goodness next week because I'm going to be sitting in for Dinesh D'Souza on his show. So that's starting on Monday, five days a week, next week on the Dinesh D'Souza show. And of course, here live as well. So double barrel, Monica. (laughs) How lucky are you guys? Um, All right. Today, we're going to deal with election fraud, the economy, and more. Plus, we're going to talk to Greg Jarrett about President Trump's legal shams that he's got to deal with and the Hunter Biden case. And uh, Greg Jarrett has a new book out on the Constitution and how to revive America. So all of that and more straight ahead. But first, the Monica Memo. Joe Biden's railroading of President Trump is starting to derail. That's not to say that the left and Joe Biden, Merrick Garland, Jack Smith, all of these Soros prosecutors, that's not to say that they can't still do a lot of damage because they are totally, totally focused here on destroying Donald Trump, preventing him from being president again. On the last show earlier this week, and if you haven't already heard it, please go back and listen to it because I break apart everything that they did in 2020. That excludes everything they did from 2015 throughout his presidency, okay? Between the Russia hoax, the two fake impeachments, the undermining of his administration from within, all of it to try to destroy one man. And his only crime, of course, is to make America great again and to serve you, the American people. So, as I said on the last show, we can only imagine what they have in store for next year. Buckle up. Enjoy these next couple of weeks here getting cozy on the Monica Crowley podcast, because come January, all hell is going to begin to break loose. I have no idea what they have in store, but it scares the bejesus out of me, okay? Um, Again, with this lawfare that they're throwing at President Trump, it is beginning to get a little off course, okay? We're going to talk about that, but that doesn't mean that they still can't inflict a lot of damage on him and the America First movement. Things go wrong in life. Your flight gets delayed. You get stuck in traffic. Now you're late for your doctor's appointment. Stuff happens in life, and it throws you all off, right? You know what they say about the best laid plans? Exactly. That's why I'm always stunned when I think about big uh, conspiracies that actually come to fruition, like 9-11. I always think, wait a minute, not one of those flights was delayed? No, I'm serious about this. Maybe they planted early in the morning because usually early morning flights don't get delayed. The longer you wait during the day, you know, you start to get that backup and your flight is more likely to be delayed. But when I see things like a major terrorist attack seem to go off without a hitch. Now, there are plenty that, that go awry, 
Okay, like remember Jimmy Carter trying to send in the helicopters into Iran to save our hostages? Very noble intent, very noble cause, of course. But there were the huge crashes in the desert, and we never got there. So stuff goes wrong all the time. And now I think what Jack Smith and some of these Soros DAs are starting to see is like, oh, life happens. Stuff happens here. Now, there are four major cases going on, criminal cases against Trump. So at least one of them will go to fruition and there will be a conviction and then a ton of appeals, etc. All of these prosecutors, all of these judges, all of these juries in all of these left-wing jurisdictions, they all want to secure a conviction of Donald Trump before the election so that they can say he is a convicted felon. That's it. Trump did nothing wrong, of course, but it doesn't matter. The law doesn't matter to these people. Due process, uh, the equal application of the law, none of that matters to these people at all. This is all politics all the time being carried out by communists. But part of it now is beginning to derail, okay? So Trump is, one of these cases is the 2020 election interference case, okay? And it's in Washington, D.C. It's being presided over by U.S. District Judge Tanya Chutkin, uh, who has continually ruled against Trump, against his lawyers, all of their motions. She is just thrown out. She's completely biased. She's on the record. She's presided over so many J6 defendants' cases and just thrown the book at them, including the nonviolent grandmas from Indiana, 15 years in prison. So she is obviously merciless, the D.C. jury. I mean, the the whole thing is stacked against Trump and was designed to be. But yesterday, she was forced to halt her own case while the Supreme Court considers whether or not President Trump enjoys immunity from the charges. So when the Supreme Court will weigh in, they could decide straight up, that none of this applies to Donald Trump because he is being charged and prosecuted for alleged crimes. Again, he did nothing wrong. Alleged crimes while he was president. And while you're president, you have immunity from criminal prosecution. Imagine if a president didn't have that. <laughs> I mean, it would be a free fall. A president wouldn't be able to move. So the only path... If a president does something wrong while in office, the only path available is impeachment. Impeachment is a political process, not a criminal one. But it could result in his removal from office. Donald Trump was impeached by the House, although not uh, tried and convicted in the Senate. The Senate uh, threw out all the charges. So on this particular case, Trump has already been through the process that was appropriate at the time while he was a sitting president. So again, we're in novel legal territory here, and I'm not a lawyer, but lawyers that I respect and trust are saying none of this applies (laughs) to to Trump. So this is all bogus, and the Supreme Court's going to throw it out. We hope the Supreme Court is also hanging by a thread here. So we don't know what they're going to do, but if they actually apply the law, which is a big if, then all this is going to go away, including the charges against him. Um, And we're going to get into more on this in a second. So the judge, Chuck Kinn, wrote in a very brief, because you could tell she was pissed, uh, three-page order that, quote, any further proceedings that would move this case toward trial or impose additional burdens of litigation on the defendant meaning Trump, will be held over until the immunity question is decided by the high court. Earlier this month, the same judge denied uh, President Trump's bid to scrap the case altogether on the basis of presidential immunity. So she thinks it doesn't apply. Hopefully the Supreme Court will put her in her place and dismiss the entire thing, which is really going to piss her off and Jack Smith, who brought this bogus case to begin with. Speaking of Jack Smith, ahead of this anticipated appeal by Trump, Jack Smith, the special counsel, asked the Supreme Court 
to rule on the matter by, uh, well, like four days from now, December 18th, um, because he wants to try to keep this whole thing on track with the trial beginning March 1st, the day before Super Tuesday. Because, of course, this is not at all political, right? Uh, He wants to keep this on track. We're talking, what, three months away? The whole thing is absurd. When you're in federal court like this, these things take like at least a year, sometimes more, to go through all of the motions, to get everything set, uh, to get a jury in panel. But no, all of these Soros prosecutors, Jack Smith, the Merrick Garland special counsel, Joe Biden special counsel, they all have the pedal to the metal Because, again, they want to secure a conviction before the election so they can say Donald Trump is a convicted felon. That's it. The Supreme Court has given uh, Trump's legal team until December 20th to respond. And then I think there's another date in early January, like January 4th, uh, for Jack Smith then to make a move. So, so much for your holidays. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, everybody, on these on these legal teams, I mean, blown out the water. Again, the left does not care because her eyes are on the big prize, taking out Donald Trump uh, from the election. They're not going to succeed here, but again, they can still do a lot of damage. The statement from the Trump camp on the pause on this January 6th hoax, quote, Judge Chuckin has granted President Trump's motion to stay proceedings pending the resolution of the appeal on President Trump's immunity for doing his job as president and protecting our elections from fraud and abuse. This is a big win for President Trump and our rule of law as it derails deranged Jack Smith's rush-to-judgment strategy of interfering in the 2024 presidential election in support of Joe Biden's campaign. And then it goes on. And, uh, you know, they make the point that President Trump is now leading by leaps and bounds. Again, we talked about this on Tuesday's show. Take the polls with a grain of salt. And, you know, there are others who say, look, this is a big conspiracy to get Trump to be the nominee because they think he's more easily beatable. They are wrong. They're wrong. Trump has a four-year record of delivering a booming economy, an enforced border, and world peace. Also, he's got a deep emotional bond with the voters, very hard to break. So... You want to run against Donald Trump, be our guest. You think that's the easier candidate to beat? If you're still making that argument, you're on crack. Uh, Another reason they are panicked and trying to secure a conviction, and by the way, all of these legal maneuvers against Trump are helping him. And they're not just helping him with his own voters who are like Mel Gibson in Braveheart, like cannot wait to vote for him again. We'll walk over broken glass to vote for him again. But they're also helping with African-American voters who see that he's being railroaded by the criminal justice system that they perceive as railroading them. Latino voters, same thing. Listen to this. Uh, Bloomberg News morning consult poll a left-wing poll released this morning. Swing states, Donald Trump leading Biden in seven critical swing states. Arizona, Trump up by four. Georgia, Trump up by six. Michigan, Trump up by four. Nevada, Trump up by three. North Carolina, Trump up by nine. Pennsylvania, Trump up by two. Wisconsin, Trump up by four. Wow. Again, take it all with a grain of salt, but even if you cut these leads in half, Trump is, you know, within the margin of error or slightly out of it. This is why they are going crazy. They're going insane. The Supreme Court also agreed yesterday to take up a separate case challenging the scope of the statute banning obstruction of official proceedings. That is one of the four counts against Trump, and that could have huge ramifications, not just for Trump, but for the January 6th defendants who have been rotting in jail without due process. If the Supreme Court throws that out, well, then all the J6 defendants rotting in prison, the nonviolent ones will get bounced, sprung out of jail, 
And that means the collapse of this case for Donald Trump as well. So I'm sure the Supreme Court is like, (laughs) not all that happy about having to deal with this, but that's their job, handling the tough legal thickets. That's why they're there. But again, that court is hanging by a thread, so let's hope that that, uh, they come up with the right decisions on all of these cases coming in front of them. Meanwhile, Donald Trump is taking it all in stride, especially the attack that he's, quote, extreme. More projection from the left because Trump is actually very moderate. He's America first and a moderate. Donald Trump is a moderate, okay? They are the ones who are extreme, of course. They're Marxists, communists, globalists, extreme to the stratosphere, and dictatorial. They are the dictators, of course. Here's Trump reacting to being called extreme. Listen. Make America great again. How powerful is that? MAGA. MAGA. I tell that to Biden. I say, Joe, when he gets up, we've got to stop the MAGA extremists. Yeah, I'm extreme about making America great again, right? We're extreme. Yeah, he's extreme about making America great again. That is a brilliant line. I wish I'd come up with it for him, but whoever did, maybe it was the president himself. Great line. Great line. Uh, Now, switching gears to the actual crooks and criminals. Uh, The House yesterday passed a resolution unanimously. The Republicans were unanimous. I cannot believe it because they never are. You have at least one wandering off the reservation. But yesterday, for the Biden impeachment inquiry resolution, they were all on the same page. Every single Republican voted to launch this formal impeachment inquiry of Biden. And as a result, uh, the House has gained enhanced, urgent investigative powers recognized by the courts, including subpoenaing White House staff They must be freaking out, calling up their lawyers like crazy. Access to grand jury information, also critical. And gathering information in foreign countries like, say, Ukraine. Maybe China, if they can get it. Switzerland, you name it, like where they had their bank accounts. (laughs) Switzerland, Swiss accounts. So now they have expanded investigatory powers because of this vote. One thing they did right, so credit where credit is due. Uh, So here we go, buckle up on the Biden impeachment. Related, Hunter Biden pulled his little stunt yesterday going in front of the cameras. By the way, this is the House Oversight Committee and the House Judiciary Committee subpoenaing Hunter Biden to go into a deposition, which is the first step. That is a, a private question and answer period under oath on camera, but private. Before the public testimony. So Hunter was thinking that he was going to call their bluff like, well, I'm ready to testify in public. No, he wasn't. Because he knew that the House would never go for that. That's not the process. Don Jr. sat for five, five congressional depositions. Five. Including for the bogus January 6th committee. He sat for five depositions. Ivanka Trump, the rest of them all sat for countless a bogus congressional depositions. This is an actual investigation based on actual facts of actual corruption. And Hunter Biden's like, oh, I'm willing to go public. No, he wasn't. I mean, these people, uh, they're so shameless. But it's the House that's calling Hunter. And when he pulled his little stunt yesterday running in front of the cameras, he was in front of the Senate, probably because he considers the House illegitimate. Ugh. It's so predictable. So he went out there whining that the Republicans are being so mean to him, lying through his teeth that he didn't do anything wrong, playing the victim, crying like a baby. Listen. They are trying to, in, the, in, in their most uh, illegitimate way, but rational way, they're trying to destroy a presidency. Pure projection, as they are the ones still trying to destroy Trump's presidency and his next one. Uh, Here's Hunter again whining about MAGA Republicans. For six years, MAGA Republicans, including members of the House committees who are in a closed-door session right now, have impugned my character, 
invaded my privacy, attacked my wife, my children, my family, and my friends. They have ridiculed my struggle with addiction, they have belittled my recovery, and they have tried to dehumanize me, all to embarrass and damage my father, who has devoted his entire public life to service. Well, that's rich. Hunter Biden, a man with horrendous character and who hired hookers and filmed his sex acts, complaining about people imputing his character and invading his privacy. (laughs) Oh, my God. I can't with him, okay? I can't. Here he is again, lying that there's no evidence against him or his dear old dad. And in the depths of my addiction, I was extremely irresponsible with my finances. But to suggest that is grounds for an impeachment inquiry is beyond the absurd. It's shameless. There is no evidence to support the allegations that my father was financially involved in my business because it did not happen. And once more, here's Hunter playing the wounded child to a loving pops. There is no fairness or decency in what these Republicans are doing. They have lied over and over about every aspect of my personal and professional life. So much so that their lies have become the false facts believed by too many people. No matter how many times it is debunked, they continue to insist that my father's support of Ukraine against Russia is the result of a non-existent bribe. They displayed naked photos of me during an oversight hearing. And they have taken the light of my dad's love, the light of my dad's love for me, and presented it as darkness. They have no shame. Please. I have never seen such entitled corruption in my life. Entitled corruption, that's exactly what it is. Oversight Chairman James Comer wasn't having it. Here he is. The president's son, we expect him to come in and uh, be deposed. This is a normal process in an investigation. This has been a serious, credible, transparent investigation from day one. We've published four bank memorandums. We've had countless press conferences. This is an investigation about public corruption at the highest levels. We have accumulated mountains of evidence that's concerning to an overwhelming majority of Americans. We have specific questions in there, and I think we're going to allow you in there to see the uh, piles and piles of documents, of bank statements, of emails, of text messages that we've worked very hard on in this committee over the last eight or nine months. Uh, We expect to depose the president's son, and then we will be more than happy to have a public hearing with him. Of course, Hunter has plenty of defenders in Congress, uh, starting with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who ran to the microphone screaming that the Republicans don't have a single witness to their alleged allegations of Biden family corruption. She is, of course, lying. Uh, There are multiple witnesses, including the IRS whistleblowers, who have really put a backbone on this case. There's Tony Bobulinski, Hunter's former business partner, who admitted Joe Biden was the, quote, big guy to get 10% from the Chinese energy venture. There's Devin Archer, also a former business partner and best friend of Hunter Biden, saying that Hunter put uh, Joe Biden on speakerphone in these meetings with these foreign associates around two dozen times, all in an effort to sell, quote, the Biden brand. So you have all, you've got these witnesses, you've got mountains of bank records, visitor logs, emails, phone calls, photos, text messages, going over many, many years. Okay, the Biden brand was his position of power and authority. That's it. There are no international business transactions without Joe Biden in high office. That was the only asset that they had uh, to sell. So Hunter blows off uh, the subpoena. Steve Bannon and Peter Navarro uh, were also called to testify in front of the sham January 6th committee. They blew it off because it was a sham. 
And they were charged with counts of contempt of Congress. Bannon, in particular, was sentenced to four months in jail, had to pay a fine of $6,500. He is appealing that, obviously. That's coming to a conclusion soon. But will Hunter face the same repercussions? You know, of course not. Come on. Of course not. Do not hold your breath. They're going to hold him in contempt, but then the contempt goes to Merrick Garland's DOJ. And of course, they're not going to enforce that. They're not going to prosecute him and, and seek jail time for Hunter Biden. No way. The corruption runs so deep, and the Republicans are, by and large, weak cowards. They did the right thing, voting unanimously here. But in terms of seeing all this through... I don't know. Uh, Hopefully there will be an impeachment. I'm getting this sense that uh, there's a little bit of a weak need um, approach to this, that, you know, they're going to go forward with the impeachment of Joe Biden, but there are a lot of people who are not particularly comfortable with that. And that is really, really bad. All right, let's hit a quick break. And when we come back, I want to deal with election fraud and I want to deal with the economy very briefly. And then we've got... Greg Jarrett talking about all these legal issues in just a couple of minutes. Okay, welcome back. Well, when we talk about uh, Donald Trump leading Joe Biden by huge numbers here, I mean, very statistically important numbers, we've got to believe that the left and the Democrats have something big planned for next year. Uh, We're going to continue to talk about this because you know it can't just be the lawfare against Trump. So how are they going to rig the next election? Well, let's take a look at the last one. In 2020, this is unbelievable. Rasmussen conducted a poll and they just released it. And it showed that more than one in five mail-in voters cheated in the 2020 election. The poll asked those who voted by mail if they filled out a ballot on behalf of a friend, family, like a spouse or a child. And surprisingly, 21% admitted that they did, which is totally illegal. You cannot fill out a ballot on behalf of another person, although there are states that allow for assistance only, and then both parties have to sign it. So let's say you're really sick with the flu and and you can't even see your ballot. Somebody would fill it out for you, but both of you have to sign it. But, you know, people are now admitting that they basically fraudulently filled out and sent in a ballot. But that's not everything here. This poll also shows 17% of voters said that they filled out a mail-in ballot in a state where they no longer had permanent resident status. So they're filling out a ballot in another state where they no longer live. Also totally illegal. And another 17% said they signed a ballot on behalf of someone else. All of these things violate election laws across the board. And when you think about it, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, 43% of all voters in 2020 cast ballots by mail. And 26% cast ballots before Election Day. So we're talking, if you're talking more than one in five of this 43% that voted by mail, we're talking about massive, massive fraud. Meanwhile, Breitbart reports that the George Soros-linked Milwaukee District Attorney is refusing to review cases of potential illegal voting. That DA is John Chisholm, a Democrat, of course, linked to George Soros. He is refusing to review hundreds of cases of potential illegal voting via Wisconsin's same-day registration policy. This according to researchers at the Public Interest Legal Foundation, or PILF. According to them, this DA, Chisholm, has not bothered to review at least 354 cases of potential illegal voting that were referred to the Milwaukee County DA's office since 2020. The president of PILF, J. Christian Adams, great guy, he said, quote, election officials are best situated to notice and investigate potential violations of election law, and yet they won't lift a finger Look, the only way the left can win, the Democrats can win, is through rigging and stealing elections. 
That's it. And this goes back decades, at least since 1960, JFK versus Richard Nixon. And now they've brought it into the 21st century with all kinds of new and creative ways to rig and steal elections. So if you imagine the level of fraud in 2020, as it's all starting to come out now, now that it's safe that Joe Biden has been wreaking havoc in the Oval Office for for three years, it's just unfathomable the level of corruption and fraud last time around. And I'm sure in 2020 as well. And that's why brace yourself for what they have for next year. We need all hands on deck, guys. I am begging you. If you have the time and or the resources in your own communities to get on top of this, on top of your town council, on top of your city council, volunteer to be an election watcher. If you're a lawyer, volunteer your services in case there are legal challenges to ballots and and the election results in your town, in your congressional district, in your state. I am begging you because I don't know, they, they did all of this in 2020. Early voting, mass mail-in balloting, ballot harvesting, ballot curing, all of these things. And, you know, we're more on top of it now, two election cycles later, but we're fighting the last war. So while we should do those things, what else do they have planned? We don't know. So I am begging you to please get involved in your local community on this stuff volunteering your time, your resources, your expertise, your talents, whatever possible, because we're going to need all hands on deck. Um, The election is going to hang on the economy. And uh, this is absolute delusionville on the part of Joe Biden and his Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. Yellen gave an interview this week, and she thinks that the Biden economy is going swell. Listen, You know, I'm very happy with the outcomes we've seen in the economy over the last year or so. So Janet Yellen is very happy with the economy. This is the same woman who said inflation was transitory, remember? And the same woman who crams climate change BS into literally everything she does and says. I was at Treasury for two years. It was an extraordinary experience. Climate change did not come up once because it is not part of the Treasury Secretary's portfolio. Her portfolio is making sure that the U.S. economy is on an even keel. And she can't do that either. All of these Biden executive branch departments, they are all on climate change, even when it has nothing to do with their portfolio. So Janet Yellen could be talking about sanctions on a Russian oligarch, but she'll work in climate change. It's so destructive, but they don't care. The communist agenda takes precedence. She doesn't care if you're suffering under crushing inflation, can't afford groceries or gas, cutting your grocery list in half because it's either eggs or milk this week, can't afford the toys that your kids want for Christmas this year. They do not care because they don't care about you. They only care about their fundamental transformation of the country. That's it. So you can go sit on attack. All right, let's hit another break. When we come back, we're going to talk with Greg Jarrett, uh, the lawyer, Fox News contributor about these Trump uh, cases, the Hunter Biden case, uh, where we are on all of them, what he expects. And he's got a new book out on the Constitution, the Federalist Papers, and how we get back to the spirit of America not to be missed. Sit tight. I'm absolutely delighted to have with us today, as I've mentioned throughout the entire show, my good friend and longtime friend, Greg Jarrett. Greg is a prolific writer. In fact, uh, today at foxnews.com, he's got a column up about the Hunter Biden criminal case, which we're going to get to with him. He's also got a brand new book out, very important. 
maybe the most important subject that we're facing. It's called the Constitution of the United States and other patriotic documents, which will make a lovely gift for all of the patriots on your holiday gift list. Trust me, it is a beautiful book. And like I said, a very important one. And even if you got some Democrats in your family, you should hand them this book at Christmas time because maybe they'll learn something. Greg Jarrett, welcome back. Monica, great to be with you. Thanks for having me on. Well, it's always so nice to talk to you and to have you back on the show. And congratulations on this new book. This is such a critically important thing that you've done here. And we're going to get to that in just a moment. But first, because I have your brilliant legal mind with us today, I want to get your view on where we are on so many of the huge legal issues in front of us. First, let's go through the Trump cases, because those cases has made news this week. First of all, the New York fraud case uh, brought by the New York uh, state attorney, the uh, attorney general, I should say, Letitia James. Obviously, the judge in this case, Arthur Elgaron, is a communist maniac married to an anti-Trump maniac. The charges are a sham. The case is a joke. The trial is a circus. President Trump decided not to take the stand again earlier this week. What do you think is going on here? Well, he had already testified uh, in the prosecution's part of the case, although it's a, a civil case, not a criminal case. So I don't, you know, I think his lawyers correctly uh, surmised that uh, enough of the defense was presented by other witnesses, including Deutsche Bank. Then there was no need to put him back on and get ripped on cross-examination by a biased uh, New York attorney general uh, and her legal team. And you've got a biased judge here, who conspicuously so. This is a guy, Arthur Ngoron, whose last name, by the way, rhymes with moron, <laughs> uh, who, who decided that Trump committed fraud before the trial ever began without hearing uh, any... A testimony from witnesses or examining the evidence presented at trial. And they have taken this consumer protection statute and decided that they're going to go after Trump with a vengeance, even though no consumers were harmed, which turns the law on its head. And the judge also said, you know, we don't think that in my deciding that Trump committed fraud, we're going to toss out 150 years of established common law that requires proof of intent to deceive in fraud cases. Um, so, you know, this is a bizarre New York statute dusted off in the archives, being used in a unique way by twisting the law and mangling the facts. And the good news, I think, for Donald Trump, the fix is in against him. But I doubt that this case will stand up on appeal for the reason I just stated, but also uh, dovetailing with my book on the Constitution. This law violates the Constitution. It penalizes incorrect or faulty commercial speech, which the First Amendment absolutely protects. So obviously, this is a bench trial, there's no jury. And it, as you say, Greg, it rests in the hands of this corrupt judge, who's obviously going to rule against him. I mean, all of these, these prosecutors, the uh, Attorney General in New York, but Jack Smith, we're going to get to him in a second. They're all racing to secure a conviction so that Donald Trump has to run as a convicted felon for president next year, right? So even it, when he appeals all of this and all of these potential convictions get overturned, it, it, he's still going into the election with this on his back. Now, it may be helping him politically, and I think it, it actually is, but this kind of prosecutorial abuse, I mean, who, who prosecutes the prosecutors? Who watches them? Who goes after them? Anybody? Nobody. And that's what needs to be fixed. Um, look, it's abundantly clear to most Americans uh, that these are politically motivated cases to try to damage Trump and prevent him uh, from winning the upcoming presidential election. It is election interference. And Americans know this, Monica, because 
and just look at the polling data. Uh, you know, every time Trump was indicted, his numbers went up and his fundraising skyrocketed because Americans see this for what it is, uh, politically motivated cases in which these prosecutors, uh, two of them are state and local prosecutors, uh, waited uh, two years before they brought the indictments. What does that tell us? Well, it tells us they wanted to time this so that uh, the trials would happen during the election, again, to damage Donald Trump. And, you know, frankly, I, you know, I don't think it's going to work. It's obviously a legal quagmire for Trump. He's got to defend essentially five cases simultaneously. Uh, but, you know, he has the temperament to cope with that, and he has the financial wherewithal to have five different legal teams doing battle in courts of law. So if they thought it was going to work against Trump, they ought to reconsider their motivations. But, you know, they've doubled down on this thing. They're going to go after him. You know, as Letitia James said, when she campaigned for office, she vowed to get Trump, which, by the way, is a violation of the canons of ethics that govern prosecutors, and she should be disbarred. And the same can be uh, said of Fonnie Willis down in Fulton County, Georgia. I think Jack Smith has a, a special counsel, has a long and distinguished record of twisting the law. Uh, especially when it comes to uh, politicians, the John Edwards case in which he failed miserably, uh, the Bob McDonald case, uh, the governor in Virginia. Uh, Jack Smith was spanked uh, unanimously by the Supreme Court when he got that case wrong. But Smith didn't care because he achieved his goal. He ruined uh, the political future of Governor Bob McDonald. Uh, by bringing a wrongful case, and it wasn't until after the fact that it was overturned. And that's the template that he's using against Donald Trump. He probably knows that he's on shaky ground in bringing the two cases in Florida and Washington, but he doesn't care. His immediate goal is to damage Trump politically in an election year. And if he gets overturned later, uh, by the higher courts, including the Supreme Court. He didn't care. Right. So yeah. That's where it is. It's yeah. pretty ugly stuff, Monica. Oh, it is, it is. you know, I always say it's worse than a banana republic kind of stuff. They want to secure a conviction in, in at least one of these cases, uh, in their minds, hopefully more, before the election. Um, and, and in this uh, January 6th case, the election case, this has been sort of derailed. And I talked about this at the top of the show because Jack Smith went right to the Supreme Court on the issue of presidential immunity. I took it apart at the top of the show here, Greg, but what do you expect the Supreme Court is going to do on that issue? And they agreed to take up the other issue of the obstruction of an official proceeding, which could have uh, consequences not just for Trump, but the nonviolent January 6th defendants who have been rotting in jail. Yeah, uh, the obstruction of a, an official proceeding was brought against a lot of different J6 defendants. And, you know, when you examine that particular law, um, it's very narrowly tailored and it doesn't apply to most of those J6 cases, nor does it apply uh, to President Trump. So I think the Supreme Court taking that particular case involving a former police officer may have a dramatic impact on the case against uh, Donald Trump. Uh, but, you know, when Jack Smith a few days ago uh, decided he was going to butt to the front of the line and go right to the Supreme Court on the issue of governmental immunity, uh, what was absent uh, from his petition was why he wants to do that. Now, we all know the reason why. Uh, he fears that a delay of a typical appellate review going through the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals would interfere with his, Jack Smith's, plan to gain a conviction before the election uh, to harm Donald Trump. That is election interference. Now, 
I suspect that some of the justices will see this for what it is. And it's pretty rare for the high court to accept any case without an evaluation and decision uh, by the middle court here, the D.C. Circuit Court. Um, normally, uh, you know, I would say I doubt that they're going to take the direct appeal um, and we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Uh, they did ask Trump's lawyers to respond to Smith's petition uh, and they gave him a few days to do it. Whether they will actually accept the case by allowing Smith to leapfrog over the middle court, we'll just have to wait and see. But, I, you know, Trump's argument that the case should be dismissed against him uh, based on governmental immunity is quite legitimate. Uh, he Many of his actions were consistent with his sworn duties as president to uphold and enforce all laws, including those laws that require free and fair elections without fraud or faulty vote counting. So if that's what he was doing, he enjoys absolute immunity from prosecution. The double jeopardy argument is also really interesting, Greg, that on this particular case, you know, the the, the people who came at Trump went, the, I mean, it was a, bo- a bogus case, but they went through the appropriate channel, which is impeachment of a sitting president. Again, all of it was a sham, of course, but a president cannot be criminally prosecuted. There is the route of impeachment, which they went down. They went down that route. And so, you know, he could argue that, look, as a sitting president, this has already been adjudicated, even though impeachment is a political process, not a legal one. So I, there are a lot of novel arguments before the court. This is going to be fascinating from a legal standpoint, right? Yeah, I think so. That uh, the, the fact that the Supreme Court has taken the other J6 cases, um, the fact that they may take this immunity case, um, certainly is going to uh, impact uh, the scheduled March uh, trial of Trump in Washington, D.C. by the special counsel, Jack Smith. I just don't see that case going as scheduled, according to Jack Smith's nefarious plan to interfere uh, in the presidential election. I just think there are too many untested uh, legal issues outstanding because, you know, the, the entire case against him is a case of first impression. It's never happened before. Uh, <laughs> there's no precedence for this case, the indictment of a former president's former president for actions that occurred during his term in office. You know, I think all of this is going to give the federal courts pause as to what we're doing, including the U.S. Supreme Court. Well, I hope so. But even that court is hanging by a thread. Greg, so, I, you know, <laughs> let's hope the Supreme Court does the right thing here. Um, all right, turning briefly before we get into your amazing book, the Hunter Biden criminal case. I mean, you saw the circus yesterday of Hunter coming out before the U.S. Senate, even though it was the House that had subpoenaed him and called him for the deposition yesterday. Where are we on this? I mean, I, I nobody's holding their breath that uh, the Merrick Garland DOJ is actually going to... Uh, enforce a contempt of Congress, uh, anything coming out of the Congress against Hunter Biden, the way they came after, say, Steve Bannon, Peter Navarro, where they really prosecuted the contempt of Congress charge. What do you expect to happen here? Well, yesterday was foolhardy for Hunter Biden and his lawyer, Abby Lowell, to stage this, uh, you know, impromptu, and it wasn't that, um, news conference in which he, you know, delivers uh, his, oh, gee, I'm a victim speech. And I'm here uh, outside the Capitol where I've been subpoenaed uh, to testify in a deposition, but I'm not going to appear. You know, you don't get to set the terms and conditions associated with a subpoena. This was validly and enforceably uh, presented to him. Uh, he's obligated by law to comply. This stunt, I think, backfired on him. If anybody was sitting on the fence yesterday, 
among the GOP in the House. <laughs> you know, they they then changed their minds and voted uh, to authorize the impeachment inquiry. And that elevates the authority of the House committee to pursue uh, enforcement of these subpoenas. Normally, you would go to the U.S. attorney. But here, uh, you know, the U.S. attorney appointed by Joe Biden, uh, you know, uh, you know, was involved in campaign and and uh, donations uh, to the Trump campaign is a huge conflict of interest. He must recuse himself. But, you know, that leads it to, you know, others within the DOJ. And again, they've got a conflict of interest because they would be enforcing subpoenas against Joe Biden's own allies. The conflict of interest is is glaring here. The other alternative would be for the committee to skip the DOJ, which is an obstacle here, and go directly to a court to seek enforcement through a civil action. Unfortunately, Mm. that uh, takes a lot of time. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, once the House votes to hold Hunter Biden in contempt, and I think they will, how do they go about enforcing this when when Joe Biden, Merrick Garland, the DOJ, and the U.S. attorney are all on Biden's side? Uh, You know, they were quick to enforce subpoenas against anybody in Donald Trump's orbit. They should do the same here. Yeah, I mean, as you say, it's they just don't care. <laughs> I say that on this show all the time. They don't care. So, you know, no, Joe Biden and Merrick Garland are not going to prosecute Hunter Biden for the contempt of uh, Congress charge. They're not going to go after him. And when people scream about the two-tier justice system at Steve Bannon and Peter Navarro being prosecuted with real jail time in front of them for the same thing, they just don't care. They don't care, Greg, because they control everything. They control all of the levers of power, government, media, the culture, big tech. Uh, they, they control it all. So what do they care if you and I are screaming about it on Fox News and the Monica Crowley podcast, right? They, they just right. don't care. Um, well, anyway, this is going to be a wild year, both politically and legally. So we will be coming to you multiple times uh, over the course of the next year to take this all apart for us. All right. I want to turn now, Greg, before we let you go to your great new book. Again, it is called The Constitution of the United States and Other Patriotic Documents. Tell us about it. Well, this is a tribute to the many patriots who made America great. Uh, You know, as, as you can appreciate, and so many Americans, this country is a, a beacon of liberty and prosperity and justice throughout the world. So what I've done is I have put together uh, 65 of our nation's most important documents, speeches, letters, addresses throughout more than 200 years of our history. And these are, are such vital uh, writings and speeches, many of which change the course of American history. These are inspiring words and, and I think galvanizing ideas that shaped our nation, our virtues, our aspirations, our ideals. So you will see everything from our founding documents uh, and the brilliance of our framers uh, through Frederick Douglass, Abraham Lincoln, Uh, The Suffragettes, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, Susan B. Anthony, Teddy Roosevelt, Franklin Roosevelt. Um, You'll read the fascinating letter by Albert Einstein sent to FDR warning uh, that the Nazis were attempting to develop this new frighteningly powerful weapon, an atomic bomb. A pivotal moment in world history. Harry Truman, Dwight Eisenhower, Ronald Reagan... You know, I've got four uh, of the greatest addresses by by Ronald Reagan. And this is a man who changed the world when he courageously stood at the physical barrier in Berlin and and dared Gorbachev to tear down this wall. Two years later, the wall came tumbling down. So did the communist empire. And that, of course, changed uh, world history. So. 
you know, the common denominator among all of these exceptional men and women in my book are their, you know, faith in our country's greatness and their devotion to patriotism. Their memorable words uh, can be read in this book. I'm immensely proud of it. And I think it's a book, frankly, you know, that every teacher in America ought to have in their classroom. So, you know, if you're thinking of it as a Christmas gift, buy not one but two and give one to your child's teacher because they don't teach this stuff, sadly, in, uh, in American education anymore. You mean the Marxist teaching our kids uh, and show, bringing in drag queens into the classroom? Don't teach the Constitution? Greg, I'm shocked. I'm absolutely stunned by that. This book is so important because it is a collection of our most important founding documents, including the Federalist Papers, which kind of get the short shrift when you talk about America's founding documents. It's the Declaration, which is a beautiful lyrical document, the Constitution, which is, of course, the spine uh, of America. But the Federalist Papers really put the meat on the bones of, of our governing system. So all of that is in this book, too. And as you say, Greg, the, these documents are getting lost in the tsunami of indoctrination and Marxism. So it's a really important book to have all of this in one place. And like I said, and Greg said, give it to the children in your life, give it to their teachers, give it to everybody you know. Um, final question for you, Greg, how do we and you address this in the book, and it's really the point of the book. How do we start to revive the American spirit when the left controls everything and the indoctrination goes so deep? Well, if I had my way, I'd probably get rid of the Department of Education, um, and I would get rid of the teachers' union or change it dramatically. Randy Weingarten has single-handedly done more damage to American education and a generation of students than anybody uh, in our history. And, uh, you know, too many people have forgotten our country's remarkable past. And, and you know, Monica, the noble ideas, uh, the uplifting words of exceptional leaders We've got to change our education system. Is it any wonder that most kids uh, flunk basic civics in American history? We need to rekindle, I think, the indomitable American spirit, and that begins with education, and it needs a serious, complete overhaul. Yes, and that is a major job because, as I say constantly, Greg, uh, this has been going on for decades. The left has been at war with the Constitution, with our founding documents, free market capitalism. They've been at war for decades. So this is going to require a long-term and very determined project uh, from the rest of us. This is, uh, the book is extraordinary. Again, it's called The Constitution of the United States and Other Patriotic Documents. A uh, real final question for you, Greg. Are you optimistic about the future? Yeah, I am. You know, um, I guess I'm a glass half full kind of guy. And I laugh at these uh, people uh, who, who say, oh, you know, democracy is on the precipice. Uh, if Trump is election, elected, we'll fall into the abyss. These people are, are ignorant. They don't understand uh, what they can understand if they actually read my book, that the Constitution is a sturdy document that has withstood uh, challenges uh, and, and grievous incidents in our history that no other republic uh, could possibly survive. And, and we have survived it and done and prospered uh, over the course of more than 200 years because of this esteemed document and the brilliant ideas contained therein that, Im that protect our cherished rights and embody the privileges that we all enjoy and, and take for granted. And so, no, uh, you know, we're not facing the end of America. Uh, this Constitution upholds the greatness of America 
and it will continue in perpetuity. Well, from your lips to God's ears, Greg Jarrett, the book again is called The Constitution of the United States and other patriotic documents. Go get it wherever books are sold and gifted to everybody you know. It will look beautiful on your bookshelf, on your coffee table, but more importantly, it is an action book as the founders intended it. Greg, thank you so much for joining us here today and Merry Christmas. And and happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you and Monica. It's always such a pleasure uh, when you and I get together and and talk. Um, I enjoy our conversations immensely. Thanks for having me on. Well, likewise, and I hope you'll come back early and often next year. I will. Okay, guys, another big show done. Thank you so much for being here, as always, and for checking out our phenomenal sponsors. We all really appreciate that, so thank you. Um, Have a fantastic weekend. I hope you're getting your holiday shopping done. Just a reminder, I am in for Dinesh D'Souza on his show next week, starting Monday, five days on his show next week. And of course, I will be here on the Monica Crowley podcast with a big major pop icon joining us next week and some other good things, holiday cheer planned. So do not miss a minute of Monica. You get double the goodness next week. So I hope you'll join me on both shows. In the meantime, have a fantastic weekend, guys. This episode of the Monica Crowley podcast was produced by Bayhockle Entertainment, LLC.